This is the Quick Slants Podcast. What's up, Packers fans? It is the Quick Slants Podcast at Game On Wisconsin. I'm your host, Jason Perrone. You can find me on Twitter at Jason Perrone. You can find Game On Wisconsin at Game On WI. We are back. It's another week and another terrible Packers loss. Somehow we're here at three and four. Somehow the unthinkable thing that we talked about that was going to cause some bad conversations if it happened, happened. The Packers are still losers. This time, 23-21 to the Washington Commanders with no David Bakhtiari and no Christian Watson on game day. I said last week that this Packers team sucked. I was obviously frustrated. I listened back to the show. I sounded downtrodden. I'm going to try to pick up the pace a little bit this week. Although, we're in a worse place than we were seven days ago. So, the Packers are going downhill fast right now. I don't think it's hyperbole to say they're playing the worst football of any team in the NFL. I challenge you to bring me a team, including the Houston Texans, that is playing worse football right now than what the Green Bay Packers are playing. And I will debate it. So it was it was a bad, bad game. We're going to talk about all the fallout, where we're at, a potential uh, kind of a shift in direction here on quick slants as far as what we're going to talk about after these games moving forward and how that's going to go. And we'll take a quick look at next week's game, which I, I don't really know how much I'm, I'm going to have to say as the Packers get ready to go on to Buffalo and, and take on the Bills. So why don't we start with, I, I didn't do a game recap these past couple weeks, but this was another game where the Packers start out fast-ish and then just crap themselves and disappear. The Packers get a, they get a three and out. Now they, they third down, you know, they blitz Taylor Heineke. They, he almost throws a bad pick and they force a punt. The Packers then drive down seven plays, four minutes, 42 seconds, and they get in the end zone on a short touchdown pass to Aaron Jones. Finally, here we go. We're getting Jones involved. He gets in the end zone. Packers score first, as they should. Hopefully, we're on our way to a decent day. The Packers then get a stop after they score. Jair should have uh, intercepted a ball, but he didn't. So they force a punt. And Amari Rodgers promptly fumbles the ball. Fumbles another punt, which Washington recovers at the Green Bay 17. The Packers end up holding Washington to a field goal, but there's points again. Flip field position and points given up on a special teams gaffe by Amari Rodgers, who the Packers continue to field, continue to trot out there as their best option to return punts. Why? It's insubordinate. Doing the opposite of what your leadership asks or acting in a way counter to the productivity required by the business. That is what Amari Rogers returning punts is. It is counter to the productivity required by the business. The business is winning MFing football games. He's not helping. 
There are 46 other effing guys active on game day. Don't tell me one of them can't return punts. There is no excuse to keep trotting his sorry ass out there. But this is what bad teams do. Status quo. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. This is fine. The gif with the little dog sitting at the table with fire all around him. This is fine. They don't adjust. They don't evolve. They don't think. They don't expect more. They don't change. And so guess what? Amari Rogers is going to continue to fumble punts because that's what he does. He sucks at fielding punts. I would be sick of it if I weren't already exhausted and done being sick of everything that this team is doing at this point. Then, here comes the double down. Packers are playing crap ball. Just handed points to Washington. They get the ball back. Holding on first down. Now we're first and 20. Well, you know this team's going to crap themselves. Right? Can't possibly step up and pick up 20 yards. Well, we're done. So holding on first down. Romeo Dobbs drops the screen, creates a third and long. And then they opt for a swing pass which Aaron uh, to Aaron Jones, which... Aaron Rodgers throws poorly. He is the absolute worst swing pass, screen pass, thrower of the football I have ever seen from a quarterback who's who's likely going to be in the Hall of Fame. Never, ever figured this out. Cannot figure out the short passes to save his ever-loving life. So they punt. Zero response. Zero metal. Zero moxie. Nothing. Nothing. We get through the first quarter. It's 7-3 to three Packers. Taylor Heineke, who's starting in place of Carson Wentz for the Commanders, has completed exactly zero passes. None. None. Then he comes out on the next drive, and he throws the pick six to Devondre Campbell. Packers are up 14-3. to three. I mean, hey, if you can't score on offense, your defense better. When they did. They got a pick six. They got in the end zone. He scored. Taylor Heineke has thrown more touchdown passes and more passes to Packers than he has to his own team. Packers are up 14-3. to Where have we heard this story before? Next drive. Russell Douglas nearly intercepts another ball, but he doesn't. So, of course, because he dropped it, The universe must punish the Packers. The run defense gives up two 20-yard runs. Washington drives down and they score on a third down pass in the back of the end zone. Taylor Heineke finds a receiver in the back of the end zone. And now it's 14-10. Rashawn Gary is bad against the run. He can't set an edge. He's great at rushing the passer. Can't set an edge. And he left the game... With a potential concussion, he's going to be in the protocol this week. Packers get the ball back. They're up 14-10. More ass ball, as I as I call it here. Aaron Jones loses yards. Another holding call. And as expected, the Packers roll into a ball and they ask for their mommy. They punt out of the back of their end zone. Keishon Nixon gets called for not coming back in bounds. Because why not? Let's pile on. If we're going to suck, let's go full double butt cheek. Washington's driving. 
The Packers appear to get a huge fumble return for a score. But then there's a call against Eric Stokes for illegal contact. Negates the play. And with new life, Washington drives on. And they can't convert on a third down pass. Russell Douglas breaks that up as well. Washington misses a field goal. Okay? No points given up. But this call is a tide turner. This is the Packers rolling up into a ball again. Dean Blandino comes on the broadcast, says that the illegal contact is a point of emphasis this season. They didn't call very much of it. The officials have been emphasizing it. And so it got called. It was past five yards. Eric Stokes is is making contact with the receiver. He gets flagged. Listen, by the letter of the rule, yes, it was. Should you have called it? Absolutely not. And doesn't the word emphasis, you say you're putting an emphasis on this rule, doesn't that mean that they should be trying to get the call right versus just call it more often? Are you trying to call it more or are you trying to get it right? Emphasis to me means you're trying to improve, fix, or or better something. That's not what would happen out there. So the Packers are now 14-10. They get the ball back. Another holding call on a screen. Aaron Rodgers makes it worse. A bad deep throw to Sammy Watkins. It drew a flag, but it was picked up because the throw was so bad and past Watkins that the refs were like, well, I guess it wasn't catchable. And either Watkins pulled up on the route, got hurt, or gave up on it. So now it's third and 11, and guess what? Guess what happens? Nothing. Nothing. Incomplete pass. Then on the punt, false start. Packers defense comes out. They force a punt. The ball lands at the Green Bay one. It was later ruled a touchback. They said that the Washington gunner who touched the ball first came in from out of bounds. It turns out that the guy who touched it first was actually not the gunner. It was another player. And the Packers did get end up getting the ball on their own one-yard line. Somehow, they managed to not get, get a safety. And then we go into halftime. So, we come back out in the second half. Washington's got the ball. They get the holding call on Kenny Clark. And then, with Jair Alexander in his hip pocket, Terry McLaurin catches a touchdown pass from Heineke. And now, Washington's in the lead 17-14. Good night. Buenos noches. And the reason I tweeted that wasn't because Jair Alexander is a bad player. He should be benched. Of course he gave up a long pass. I was shocked. And that's Terry McLaurin. It's not some jag that just came in off the street. He's a very good wide receiver. Sure, Jair's going to get beat sometime. My issue is this Packers team has no balls. None. They have no ability to stand, take a punch, and respond. This season, they are weak. They are subservient. They are in the corner, sucking their thumb anytime something bad happens. And that's why I said goodnight. I don't trust this team. I don't believe in this team. I can be a fan. I can also be real. I don't trust this team. I don't believe in this team right now. And they proved me right. Packers get the ball. They sputter. They can't convert because Romeo Dobbs drops another ball on third down. Low throw by Rodgers, but he can't hang on to it. 
punt. Washington runs their way down. They convert on a third and 11. They easily move the ball down. They add another field goal, 2014. Packers get an eight-yard run by A.J. Dillon on first down. Negated. Illegal formation. Packers had nine penalties on the day. Then they get a big run by Aaron Jones. Another Jones run picks up a first down. It's amazing that he ran twice in a row because he only had eight all day. So that was one quarter of his runs in this one sequence right here. Now you've got fourth and one. Romeo Dobbs drops another pass. Turnover on downs. You can't call Dylan's number because he can't get that yard right now. He's not running well enough. So he doesn't get the call. Aaron Jones, for some reason, is also not the call. This is when Rashawn Gary gets his concussion on the next drive. Alan Lazard had a shoulder injury. He was in and out of the lineup. J.J. Anikbari gets a sack on first down. He had a decent game. He's emerging. He's starting to grow. Silver lining here. Then the Packers give up a huge third down. They add a penalty to top it off. A personal foul penalty to top it off. Of course. Right? Because why not? The Packers constantly shoot themselves in the foot when they play the, these past three weeks. They're just... They're not... They're not capable. They have just proven that they cannot have nice things. And that's just what what it is. Washington gets another field goal. 23-14. Death by a thousand paper cuts. Packers get the ball back. There's a hand to the face penalty. The Packers get bailed out. There's a deep ball to Amari Rodgers. He can't connect. The ball was way off. Uh, Amari can't make the catch. A.J. Dillon drops a third down ball, but Washington commits another hands-to-the-face penalty. So I guess our best offense is creating miscues by Washington. Fine, whatever works. Deep ball, misses Robert Tunyon, but P.I. Keeps the drive alive. And then Aaron Rodgers finds Aaron Jones with a nice touchdown pass. Probably the only really nice throw that Rodgers had all day to close it to 23-21. Now the Packers have to try to get the ball back and try to win this game. Try to steal victory from the the jaws of defeat. Washington hits a long screen to McLaurin. Jair can't get him out of bounds. So the clock keeps moving. The Packers had to start using their timeouts. Instead of being able to wait and hold on to it in case they got the ball back because they might need it, they had to use their timeouts. They ended up using all three prior to the two-minute warning. They had no timeouts the final two minutes of the game. Washington converts a first down just prior to the two-minute warning. McLaurin steps out of bounds. And then Washington has to punt. They have to, they have to punt the ball away. The Packers, you know, they get a, they get a play. They get a, a big pass to Sammy Watkins. They, he has to go down so that the offense has enough time to come up and set and spike the ball so they have time to run another play. There's only five seconds left. They try to do the lateral drill. It fails miserably. And the game is over. And the Packers lose. And Aaron Rodgers is laying on the field with his face in the turf. Losers. 23-21. Again, call it like it is. The Packers right now are losers. 0 for 6 on third down. This is the first time since 1999 that they didn't convert a third down. First time in the Aaron Rodgers era. In a have-to-have-it game. Zero 
for six on third down. And some of that was on the receivers. Aaron Rodgers' body language, bad. What the F are we doing to his players? What the F are we doing to the sideline? Packers defense, weak, porous, not good enough. Missed tackles, gashed in the run game. Receivers, wide open, soft coverage, soft, Charmin soft. Offense, awful, putrid, crappy. They gave up zero sacks. You would have thought the way this game flowed that Aaron Rodgers was getting pressured all day long and that vaunted Washington front sacked him four or five times on the day. Not once. Not one time. The offense still sucked. Like I said before, Aaron Jones, eight carries. A.J. Dillon, four carries. They ran the ball 12 times. More on that. Special teams, lame. Mostly thanks to Amari Rodgers. Mostly thanks to the coaching staff who keeps trotting his sorry ass out there to return punts. Nine penalties. If not for a defensive touchdown, this game is somehow a blowout. This historically great head coach has no answers once again. I have been critical of Matt LaFleur, and you know what? I ain't done. I got more. I got more for Matty. His team gets outplayed. His players are underperforming. Nothing is going right, and his team just lost to a Washington team led by a backup quarterback who didn't complete his first pass until the second quarter in the worst stadium in the league and amidst a massive controversy as the rest of the league is trying to remove the commander's owner from his post and they lost the Packers lost if this isn't staring at the bottom of what this season can be all right I'm not going to talk about the bottom of the barrel because there's people listening to this show who lived through the early mid 80s and the 70s I get it I'm talking about this season the bottom If this isn't staring at the bottom, I am terrified how much worse could possibly be. LaFleur looks and sounds just very inept. He said after the game, these next few days are going to tell us a lot about this team. Man, if you still need to learn anything more about this team than what we already know, that those of us sitting at home watching this team play on TV who aren't even in the locker room, we don't even know what you're saying and what your players are saying to each other. We don't need another couple days to learn anything about this team. If you need that more more time, you can barely follow this team, let alone lead it. I am so sick of hearing the same crap week in and week out. And everyone comes down to me and just like, well, what's he supposed to say? What's he supposed to do? You know, he has to speak to the media. I get it. I get it. The league requires the, the head coach to speak to the media. And I have long found it to be a valuable thing. I want insight. I want to know what's going on. I want to hear what the coach has to say. This past month, I wish he would stay as far away from a microphone as possible. I am sick of the same regurgitated, broken record message every week. Boy, it sure is concerning. It starts with me. I got to do a better job. Well, you're not doing a better job. I don't have any evidence of this. Okay, I don't know any of any of this to be true at all, but that locker room cannot be 
completely in line right now. These types of situations cause stress, fatigue, burnout. They kill confidence. I don't, I don't see and hear a man when he speaks, Lafleur, that I trust to lead these players out of this with his culture and his approach by itself. They're not running through a wall for Matt Lafleur. If he and Aaron Rodgers are on the same page, it is the wrong page. It is the wrong book. He he's this is not the guy to keep a quarterback like Rodgers in the line and say, "Hey, we need to do this. We need we need to do it this way." And also get the quarterback's buy-in. It almost seemed at some points in this game like Aaron Rodgers ran the play that LaFleur called, didn't check out of it, ran it, then turned to the sideline, put his hands up, and was like, what the F are we doing when it failed? As if to say, okay, I ran the play you called, it sucked. Or maybe it just did suck. I, I don't know. It is not easy managing a veteran Hall of Fame quarterback who is your, your same age. But that's what LaFleur signed up for. And he's... Had it good. His first three seasons, he had a lot of good fortune handed to him. And now he actually has to show up and do something. Put a plan together. Make changes. He and his team, they've, they, they, they've got to do something. They've got to respond. And they aren't doing an effing thing. They offer nothing. Every team in the NFL should be lining up to face the Packers. Right now. Earlier this season, it was like, who gets to play the Houston Texans this week? The Packers are the Houston Texans right now. If I weren't a Packers fan, I would want to face them too. I mean, I, hell, I am a Packers fan, and I wish they could play themselves. Now, on the other side of the LaFleur argument are those who want to blame the GM, Brian Gutekunst, for handing a bunch of young receivers to a team with a quarterback who doesn't gel quickly with guys he doesn't know. A GM who banked on David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins coming back from major injuries and just picking up where they left off. They're not. Jenkins moved back to left guard. Bakhtiari did not play in this game. Yash Nyman at, at, at right tackle. Zach Tom got the start at left tackle. More on that later. Once the season starts, it's up to the coaching staff to get the players to perform. And these are not all overrated and bad athletes. Some people want to say, oh, these players aren't very good. Who this, you know, The scouting department just didn't just whiff on everybody. Many of them are underperforming. And with each ensuing loss, these guys, veterans and rookies alike, are going to start doubting themselves. They're going to start making business decisions and instead of plays, and eventually they're going to quit. Like Jets coach Robert Sala said last week, just keep pushing them into deeper water. They'll find out they can't swim. I'd like to know who on this roster thinks they can swim because I don't see a single guy acting or talking like they do. The leadership on this team is not very apparent. And it honestly hasn't been for a while. We heard Rashawn Gary say this past week he was hungry. I'm hungry, 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 all the hungry. We know Kenny Clark, Mercedes Lewis, Bakhtiari, and Rodgers are seen as leaders. But what are they doing all week? I talked earlier. I don't know what they're saying to each other in the locker room. I maintain what I said last week is that it starts and stops at the top. And in season, once you start and you kick off, the top of the food chain is the head coach, Matt LaFleur. This is what you signed up for. You get all the love and the credit when you win. You get the criticism, the questions, and the shade when you don't. And when you keep trotting out the same excuses and reasons why your team is shitty, you get dumped on. So coach, you can take your lumps right now. Let's talk about the quarterback. I feel like I did this, I, I did this last week. 
quarterback said that Washington played a lot of sh- lot of two shell. A lot of two shell. Once again, that was on film. It is not a surprise. This is a veteran quarterback. You telling me he doesn't watch film? They're underprepared. They're underwhelmed. Underwhelming. He says in the post-game press conference, hey, do you think you think your team can turn this around? Yeah, you're goddamn right we can. Okay, hot shot. Yeah? You think so? He says, nobody's given us a chance going to Buffalo on Sunday night football. Shoot, this might be the best thing for us. Bro. Ayahuasca is a dane is a hell of a drug. You're get, bro, you're getting 40 dropped on you. You may not score a point. Threw a bunch of bad balls off the spot, not catchable. Thumb or no thumb. If you're playing, you're expected to be effective. If you can't be, don't play. You can't go. That's on Rodgers and the coaching staff to admit and figure it out. Can you play? Because if you can't, sit. But it's not going to happen because this staff, led by one Matt LaFleur, have doubled, tripled down. They're coddling and catering to Rodgers. They'll lay some blame on him, but it's everyone else first. They're laying blame all over the place before they even mention Rodgers' name. And it's, it's clear that there is confusion amongst this team over whose voice should be the loudest. Is it LaFleur? Is it Rodgers? Is it someone else? There's... I, I get that this is three and four and not three and nine with seven straight losses. But this is a putrid three and four. Rodgers doesn't look like he's enjoying himself out there. And barring an epic turnaround, I don't see how he has the desire to come back and play again after this season. We know he wanted to go out on top and his ego is massive, but at this point, it's like cut your losses. This this season is probably has got to be it, right? I mean, the body of work is there for for Rodgers. His teams just couldn't get their shit together one final time and and sucked. Life isn't fair. You didn't get to go out on top. Just ask Vikings fans. Life isn't fair. It's not. And they'll find out once again uh, later this season. We're now at the point where we have to be real with ourselves. I talked about how this show is going to go. How is Quick Slants going to go? I mean, normally, it's a recap of the game. If they win, we talk about what went well, what they can build on, what their chances are the final week, what game is upcoming. Now, I feel like we might need to just spend some time talking about what the future looks like beyond 2022 in these games because the the purpose of 2022 itself becomes more and more of a lost cause with every ensuing loss. I mean, mathematically, no one's eliminated from playoff contention. So obviously any talk about the Packers not being a playoff team is coming from a standpoint of an extreme lack of confidence and, and lack of confidence and, and their performance. It's not literal. But we've now had three bad losses in a row. This latest one was to a really bad team. This is not a maybe we underestimated the Jets and the Giants who are both over 500 and who both won their games again this week. Maybe, you know, it's it's just, I talked about some of the young players, right, who've played in this game. 
Zach Tomfield in the left tackle. I don't know how he actually graded out, but he didn't give up any sacks because there weren't any. Romeo Dobbs was awful. He had his worst game of the season. He's He had two awful drops. He is going to have to learn how to bounce back, and this is a big opportunity for him to do it. He's going to have to figure that out. Kingsley Anigbare is looking like a player. The more he gets, the more, more snaps that he gets, he looks like he is developing into a really good number three behind Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. Quay Walker had, had more of an up game after last week's not-so-great performance. These players need to now get consistent. They need to be consistent and grow. And as I've said over and over, they're going to be counted on and needed this season more than young players should be. But that's the way that Brian Gutekunst set up this team and handed it off to Matt LaFleur. He thought this was the way to do it and keep the team competitive. And it looks like it's backfiring a little bit in Gutekunst's face. I mean, he had to sit there and watch the guy he could have drafted instead of Jay Sternberger, who's no longer in the league or on the Packers right now. I don't even know if he's in the league. Beat his best corner for a go-ahead touchdown that his team could not come back from. If that doesn't make Brian Gutekunst stop and ask himself and think, is my process good enough? Don't know. So the Packers travel to Buffalo next week. I am going to spend a very small amount of time on this because the Bills are coming off their bye week. They get a home game. And they're arguably one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL. This is going to be ugly. Ugly. We thought maybe the Packers would show up and be themselves last week. They didn't. We thought for sure they'd show up and be themselves this week. They weren't. We know who the Buffalo Bills are. The Packers have never won a game in Buffalo. Every time they play there, they play awful. And they're once again getting a tough version of the Bills this time around. This version might be the toughest uh, team they've ever faced on the road. Rodgers tries to say all this cutesy crap, but... Um, and that it may be what they need. It's it's not. They're going to get mopped out of Orchard Park. The Bills can easily hang 40 on this very porous, underachieving defense, and we, we sure as hell know the offense can't score more than 20. So you do the math. You do the math. Buffalo's just a nine-point favorite to start the week. That seems low. We'll see if the line moves throughout the week. We'll get more on the injury front. Can David Bakhtiari play again? Uh, effectively, is he going to come back? I, I, I just, I the, the confidence on this team is just, it's so low. It's, it's becoming work. It's becoming work to put these thoughts together and share them after the game. Different times. Very different times in Green Bay. We're spoiled fans. I'm a spoiled fan, so sure, I'll own it and say I'm, I'm you know, I'm still adjusting and transitioning into understanding that this 2022 Green Bay Packers team is not good. They're not a good team. And right now they're the worst team in football. And I am the one that that is tasked with amongst all my other peers who do awesome work here. I mean, their shows, I, I think they're sh- our team here. Thank God for all of them, because these shows are what get me through the week. And so I appreciate everybody. And 
all the podcasts in the in the blogosphere that I listen to, everybody puts in great work, film work. God bless those who put in film work because they have to go back and rewatch. I don't ever have to watch this game again, and I won't. I never will. They have to go back and watch it again and again and again and again and grade these players, and God bless them for it because we would not have the, the context and the numbers and the understanding of what's going on if it were not for them. Thanks for hanging in there with me, everybody. Kind of a crappy way to start the week once again, but I think we're getting used to it and we should be getting better at it by now, but unfortunately, I'm still not there. I'm Jason Perrone. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Perrone. You can follow Game On Wisconsin at Game On WI. Enjoy the rest of this week. Try to survive what is this next game. Who knows? The Packers have been so utterly surprisingly bad. They're playing a really good team. Who knows? I'm not going to say it. I don't think it's going to happen. Anything is possible. It's the NFL, right? Have a great week, everybody. We'll be back again with a recap of the Bills and a look forward to the week following next Monday. Enjoy the rest of your week. As always, everybody, take care of yourselves and go Pack Go. Off play action, back to the throw. Prescott with time. Rifles it over the middle for the hands of Cooper.